0: of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, Senior Wealth Advisor and Partner here at the XML Financial Group. If you want to learn a little bit more about us and what we do for our clients, you can always visit our website, which is xmlfg.com, or you can reach out and I'd be happy to have a conversation more directly related to you and your situation. Today, I want to talk about the big challenges facing Every investor at the moment, namely inflation, interest rates, recession, and of course the near term prospects for the markets. So let's jump right in. Inflation in the US is running right around seven and a half to eight percent. The last reading we received from the Bureau of Labor Statistics got the market pretty darn excited. And that's because we saw the cost falling for things like used cars and trucks, medical care, clothes, and airline fares. Thank goodness. That gave the market the hope that we've seen the peak in inflation. Frankly, I think we have. Is it still high? You betcha. But at least it doesn't seem like it's going to go higher from here. Could be wrong. Over the last few months, I've done a couple of financial TV shows and uh, did an interview with the Wall Street Journal for one of their articles. And I referred to this great chart that's put out by the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. It's what they call the sticky price chart. And if you want to take a look, you can find it pretty easily. Just search Atlanta Fed sticky price chart. So to oversimplify what this chart will tell you is they've taken inflation And they've broken it up into two baskets. One basket has all the components where the price changes pretty rapidly. You can think food, cars, trucks, clothes, things I just talked about. And then you have the other basket. That's the sticky basket, right? Those are components that don't change as rapidly in price. You can think of uh, wages and rents. And those are the prices that are going to hold in there for a while. When was the last time the landlord called and said your rent's going to go down next month? Probably never, right? So you have this fast-moving basket of prices, which is falling, which means overall inflation is coming down. Probably will for a bit. But it's the sticky basket that's the problem. It's going to hang in there. That's why they call it the sticky basket, right? It's not going to come down without the Fed having to do some work. And that's why the Fed has been raising interest rates and will continue to do so for a while. Right now, the market's expecting a 50 basis point increase at the next meeting and then 25 for the next two. That changes constantly, but that's where we stand now. Last week, Fed Chairman Powell spoke, and basically what he said was that the amount by which they hike might be a bit more subdued than what the market was previously anticipating, but he also said don't expect them to come down in the near future. I would take him at his word. He's repeatedly said higher for longer. The Fed is much more concerned with inflation becoming embedded in the economy than they are about any recession caused by the higher rates. In other words, seems like he's fine with tipping the economy into recession, if that's what it takes to kill off inflation. I'm going to have to agree with him on that. I don't like it, but I do have to agree. So let me sum sum this up before we move on. Inflation is coming down, and I think we've seen the peak. But Interest rates are still going to go up and they're going to remain there for a while. Think of it this way. You got some sort of infection or what have you. So you go to the doctor and the doctor writes you a prescription for an antibiotic. And you know you have to take these pills for the 10 or 14 days, whatever the regimen is. You might be feeling great after a week of taking these pills, but they still want you to finish out the regimen to make sure that you killed everything off. And that's exactly how this appears to me. Even with inflation coming down, Dr. Fed is still going to make you take the pills. Now, does that mean that we're going to have a recession? Well, I don't know if it's a question of if as opposed to when. There are some out there who think that there's a narrow window, this so-called path to a soft landing. I wouldn't put the odds of that happening at zero, but I think it's pretty darn close to zero. Heck, we may already be in inflation, recession, who knows? We usually find out afterwards and look back and say, yeah, we should have seen that. But at the time, you don't. Even if we don't hit the nail exactly on the head, I think directionally it's right. We're going to have lower inflation readings, not low inflation, higher interest rates, and a likely economic recession, economic recession. Now, how much or how ugly of a recession? As the market figures out the prices of inflation, of the inflation interest rate puzzle, the attention is eventually going to turn to earnings. That's the real question. Are we going to have an earnings recession? That's the key. If so, how far do earnings fall? History shows us that your typical run-of-the-mill recession leads to an earnings decline of around 20% for the S&P 500. I don't want to make you sweat, but let's do some math. Not the easiest thing to do on the podcast, I know, but I'll try and make it simple. Right now, the current estimates are for the S&P 500 to earn $220. With the market trading around 4000 Basically, it means the market is trading around 18 times earnings. Not cheap, if you think that bad things are coming. For a frame of reference, for the five years pre-pandemic, the market traded in a rough range of between 15 and 20 times earnings. Now, at 18, you can see why I'm saying it doesn't look cheap to me. Back then, we had low inflation, low unemployment, relative peace in the world, and so on. Remember, when things are uncertain, you should pay less for stocks, like now. Okay, so the market is trading at 18 times the current earnings estimate of 220. Remember, I said your typical run-of-the-mill recession sees earnings drop around 20%. I'll do the math for you. 20% drop in the current earnings for the S&P has it falling to 175, which would mean the market is trading at about 20, 23 times futures earnings if we do have that 20% drop. Say we have a really mild recession and earnings only drop 10%, then we're trading at 20 times forward earnings. My point is, no matter how you look at it or how I look at it, the market isn't cheap. Recession or no recession, earnings are coming down. Take out the energy names, earnings are falling. Okay, okay, I get it, Eric. The market's expensive. Earnings are falling. Analysts have cut next year's earnings estimates by 8%. Recession is coming. So you're telling us to sell everything and run for the hills, right? Well, the answer is no. But I can see how you might be able to reach that conclusion pretty quickly. If you own great companies... That you've owned forever and you want to own forever, then it makes a lot of sense to me to just keep owning them. And when I talk about the market and give my assessment, keep in mind that I don't buy the market. As I said, I'm a value oriented long term investor. So I'm going to buy high quality businesses when I think that they're inexpensive. And there are areas of the market that I think that will do just fine, even if we see an economic downturn. I realize that not all of you are cut from the same value cloth as I am, and that's okay. I'm sure you're good people. (laughs) If you're a more active type trader, then I would look at the VIX for my signal as to when to lighten up and when to add. And for those of you who don't follow this or know what it is, the VIX measures the market's expectation for volatility over the next 30 days. Let me keep things simple here. Over the last year, When the VIX has gone above 30, it's been a good time to add positions to portfolios. When it hits 24, well, that's when I pull out my yellow flag and start waving it. And at 20, that's when I bring out the red flag, and you can figure out what that means. This has worked pretty well over the last year or so. Probably will, well, till it doesn't. I'm more of a fundamental investor and look for value. So where do you find value now? You have four sectors trading at premiums to their 10-year valuations, four groups trading at discounts, and a couple of ones that are flat. You have the staples, healthcare, utilities, and the techs at premiums. The materials, communications, financial, and energies are at discounts. Industrials are pretty much flat. I like the financials. I like them because they've had a terrible run and they just look inexpensive to me. I like the energy names. I hate to predict the price of the commodity or where oil is going to go because I've seen too many people go broke doing that. But I think the price of oil can still rise for a number number of reasons, mostly coming from the supply side, not because of demand. I like the industrial stocks. I think the U.S. industrial sector is in the middle of a boom, fueled by onshoring, automation and favorable government policy. So, you have this trifecta of positives helping the sector basically defy the gravity of a slowing economy. Most of the companies that I follow seem pretty optimistic, and the outlook for earnings growth seems pretty robust and resilient. Where I'm not a fan is big tech. Not yet. I'm glad to see that they've bounced a little bit, but I'm approaching them with some caution. I own what I own, but... I haven't been adding to them. As a group, they don't seem inexpensive to me. Some names maybe, but as a whole, no. Some of the big caps are still trading at low 20 PEs. And I think some investors are looking at the analyst price targets and they see a stock trading at say 100. And the 12 month price target is for 200. And they're saying to themselves, look at that. That's a double to me if the analyst is right. Well, that's the problem. I think that the analysts are too optimistic on their earnings expectations for the big cap tech stocks. And I think you'll see those estimates coming down. So um, that's all we have for today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. I'm Eric Whiteman. This has been ComicSense Festival. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker dealer may be trading and providing advice regarding the securities I mentioned. To their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, They don't guarantee better results, and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward-looking statements, which are just that, opinions, and are not actual results, and are only valid as of the date of this recording. Things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.